0: Welcome to the Colby Daniels Podcast, presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Make sure you check out their line of natural medicine products. You can visit their website, abotanicalcompany.com, or give them a call, 405-458-9699. They're all about helping people live a better life. So again, educate yourself on what they have available and how it can help you in your daily life. abotanicalcompany.com or 405-458-9699. Order online, easy and safe pickup artisan botanicals in Midwest city. All right, let's jump straight into it. We have uh, a big day of sports. Actually this afternoon, we have college basketball games. We have an NFL kickoff at two forty this afternoon. So we'll just, uh, truck through this thing. Here is today's guest every Wednesday. He is Aaron Davis on the Colby Daniels podcast. Aaron Davis. Glad to have you back. How was the holiday? What's going on today?
1: Not much. The holiday was uh, it was good. Took a little trip to Kansas City for for a couple days and hung out with some of the some of the fiance's family with their dad and it was good. It was a good time. I am uh, in full Christmas mode now, though. I'm uh, I'm in the jolly spirit. <laughs> if you know me, that's I'm a jolly guy. Is the uh, is your Christmas tree up? It is. It's been up since before Thanksgiving. Though. Okay. We uh yeah we got it up like. The week before Thanksgiving, I believe.
0: Yeah, we traditionally wait until the weekend after Thanksgiving. So this past weekend is, is usually when we do it. But um, there was kind of a break a week before Thanksgiving for us. And so we did it that day. But I do have to share this story and I haven't done so yet. And I might get in trouble for it. But I was in my studio podcasting one day. And apparently Lauren decided that she was going to get the Christmas stuff out of the attic on her own without my assistance or without my oversight. So she gets into the attic and not knowing that there are certain places you can't step. She stepped through the living room ceiling. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So there there was a big, big thing of cardboard duct tape to the ceiling to cover that hole. And, uh, yeah, but we got everything put up and there we go.
1: I remember, uh, when I was a kid, we had some repair guy at our house working in the attic. And, uh, I I had to have been like seven or eight, maybe nine at the oldest. And, uh, you know, I was hanging out in the living room, watching TV, probably watching some cartoons or something. And next thing I know, this dude's like two feet are coming through (laughs) our ceiling (laughs) Like it's like it was like it was like Christmas Vacation. Yeah. Like, it was literally like the scene from yeah. Christmas Vacation,
0: where his feet come down and, and like, he lands on the bed. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It was uh, it was pretty pretty funny though. But I mean, what? There's nothing else going on right now, really. I mean, if you put the Christmas tree up a little bit early, I, th- I think it's acceptable in 2020. Yeah. Well,
0: and and mostly, little man just loves it. And he doesn't know right. the difference and he's home all day, every day anyway. So if you're giving him something to pay attention to, uh, it's absolutely worth it. But yeah, I had finished the podcast that day. I'd walked out of the room and she was like, uh, we had an accident. I'm like what the hell happened? Okay. There's a
1: giant hole in the ceiling. Yeah. She didn't get stuck or anything. She just, she was like, put her foot there and it went through. And, and she was it, like, yeah,
0: and it went through. Yeah. Yeah. And little man was sitting on the couch in the living room below watching his cartoons And I guess like part of the ceiling just came crashing down and he was like, dad, look, look. And he's showing me the (laughs) debris. (laughs) Like I'm, I'm the one that's supposed to do that.
1: Right. Yeah. I, is it a good sign or a bad sign as a parent when he's like not, he's not like startled by it. He's just enamored with it. Yeah. Like, ah, look at the destruction. It's so cool. He's so numb to that sort of thing
0: that it's just, like, routine at this point. By the way, I posted this yesterday on Twitter and uh, got a pretty big reaction, but I discovered yesterday that my son not only can name every team in the NFL, but he can only recognize half of the alphabet. So I don't know as a parent if I'm, like, extremely proud of that accomplishment or if I'm extremely concerned that he, he can only recognize half the alphabet. Like, he can say the whole alphabet. You know, he can do the song and all that. Like, he can say it all. But if you start showing him letters, he only recognizes about half the letters. But every NFL logo, he can tell you exactly what team it is.
1: Well, I, I think that's a good sign. I mean, first off, there's only... There's six more NFL teams in alphabet letters. Exactly. So, he's memorizing, you know, a larger scale. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean...
0: I mean, who really uses think, the alphabet anyway? Come on.
1: Right. I think it's more impressive to know the NFL teams. The, the logos are more you yeah. know, detailed. And, you know, if you're trying to pick between the, uh, I'm trying to think of, like the Seahawks and the Falcons or something. Yeah. Like, there's some logos that are, they're pretty similar. Yeah, he's. Eagles he's, Eagles and Seahawks. I was like about to say, students, Eagles and yeah. Seahawks, sometimes
0: he, uh, he gets confused and will call them the the wrong way around. But most of the time he nails that one. The one that took the longest for him was the Texans. I guess because the logo doesn't really symbolize the name. Like he just had a really hard time with that one.
1: Cause you know, you think it's yeah. Okay. It's a stupid logo anyway. Yeah.
0: Yeah. He's like, what kind of bull is that? I'm like Texans.
1: Doesn't make any sense. Yeah. He
0: he just like, okay, whatever, man. So he just, but like San Francisco is the S F. Which are two letters. He can't identify the S, but he knows it's the 49ers. <laughs> wow, I <they> mean. So
1: <laughs>
0: they're going hey, to be. Whatever you need to do. They're going to be some epic kindergarten tests that he brings home.
1: Whatever you need to do to you know, remember that it's the. Uh, you know, your teams. It's yeah.
0: important. You got to know your teams. Yeah. He got one of those about a month ago, maybe two months ago. I don't know. My sense of time is all messed up. He got one of those like NFL sticker books that's at the checkout line at Walmart, where you buy the book and it has all the empty spaces, and then you buy the packets of stickers and you put the like the Patrick Mahomes sticker in the Patrick Mahomes slot on the Kansas City Chiefs page, and Mm -hmm. you know it's that way for every NFL team. So that's I he already knew a bunch of them, but I think through that book, he's he's uh, fine tuned his his abilities in NFL recognition. So that's his special skill. He's going to go into preschool and be like, yeah, that's the Browns. They stink or whatever.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty ah, remarkable. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. I'd say that's impressive. That's impressive. Okay.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. At least one person thinks it's impressive. My sister's a kindergarten teacher. She doesn't think that uh, that's so impressive. So, you know, take it for what it's worth.
1: Well, I mean, he's going to learn the alphabet. Yeah, he's going to get there.
0: Yeah. I mean, maybe it's just one of those things like I thought the alphabet would be way easier. So, you know, he's, we're getting the, the difficult stuff out of the way.
1: Yeah. I mean, if he could sing the song, what else do you need in yeah. life?
0: Yeah. He can, like, he recognizes a lot of, uh, like, baseball players. Like, he, he, he recognizes who Jackie Robinson is. He can recognize Cal Ripken. He can recognize King Griffey Jr. Like I think that's a big deal. That basically yeah, makes I, him a genius.
1: I, I would say that takes more brain power than knowing what an F looks like. Right. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed.
0: Dude, are you ready for 240 PM football on a Wednesday?
1: Uh yes, I absolutely am. <laughs> I was thinking about this ten minutes ago and I was like the Ravens and Steelers play in like four hours. Yeah, that's like, <laughs> like it's gonna it completely screws up everything the rest of the week. Like, there's no Thursday night game tomorrow. Which, whatever. Like, I'll take Ravens and Steelers tonight over. It was gonna be Dallas and Baltimore, right? Yes. Which they are
0: now playing. I think next Tuesday, barring a cancellation.
1: So you know what? I'm I'm all for that because th- if this season has taught me anything. Uh, I am all in on Tuesday football or a Monday night doubleheader because it turns out watching seven hours of football on Sunday, hell, sometimes 10 if I uh, stick around for the Sunday night game too. Yeah. Not enough for me. I need more. Yeah. I I need more than just those 10 hours on Sunday.
0: I think I've just discovered I really enjoy watching football in time slots when I'm not supposed to be watching football. Right. There's something –
1: yeah. It's you like feel like you're getting seat. away with
0: something. Like I'm sitting on the couch at two forty in the afternoon on a Wednesday watching a football game. I'm like you're that's not what you're supposed to be doing at two forty on a Wednesday. So you feel like I don't know, there's just like this extra uh just buzz that you get from it.
1: Yeah, no, don't get me wrong. If it was the you know, Jaguars and Jets, I'd probably still put it on. I don't know that I would sit down and, you know, pay super close attention to it for three and a half hours, <laughs> but I'd still watch it, but the fact that it's the Steelers and Ravens now—it it does suck that Lamar's not playing, and the you know the Steelers are probably just going to roll through Baltimore. But yeah, still Ravens and Steelers, like that's still yeah. a pretty big. That's still, I would say, that's the biggest rivalry in the NFL. Yeah, I think so. So, um,
0: I I don't have any fantasy implications on this game, but I'm sure there are some people out there that have been waiting for this game to be played because. I guess they've decided to wrap up the fantasy week with this game.
1: Yeah, I'm a, I don't feel bad. I I feel bad for fantasy people, not like the players, but like the people that run fantasy football, like websites. Oh yeah. Like having to, having to decide how to play this season out. Like, cause it's like playing a game on Wednesday, completely screws up the entire waiver wire situation. Yeah. you know, you have situations where Taysom Hill's a tight end and all of a sudden he's playing quarterback and people are, like, because of some glitch in their system, they can play him at tight end still when he's starting at quarterback. And he's getting like, quarterback just, numbers, yeah. Yeah, just a complete, like, shit show of a season. But, like, they're having to, like, make these, like, in, like, ESPN Fantasy. Like, that's a huge, like, server. And, like, there are millions of people that use that site and their apps, like. You can't just make an adjustment to that in 24 hours. I wouldn't assume. I mean I don't work in IT, but I imagine it's pretty difficult to just make major adjustments across the board like that. So yeah. Look, like, and I'm not bitching because my fantasy season's going okay so far. So I'm just if I if I was sucking, I'd be a little bit more pissed. I'm a little bitter this week. The week
0: started rough because my opponent had Deshaun Watson on Thanksgiving Day, who just Absolutely torched the Detroit Lions. So out of the out of the gate, I was in a massive hole. And then on Sunday, he added Tyreek Hill oh. to Deshaun Watson's score, and I had it's the second right there. Yeah, I had the second highest score of the week, and
1: I lost by like fifty. Second highest yeah, score in the league, I, uh, and I
0: lost by like fifty. What even close?
1: I one of my my money league. The uh, guy I was going up against had. Had Patrick Mahomes and I have Justin Herbert as my quarterback and like he didn't do too hot and like it was a struggle, like a lot of injuries on my team this league, COVID stuff, and I'm like, oh man, I really need Tampa Bay to like <laughs> kind of keep Mahomes in check a little bit. Yeah. And then I we're through a, through like a quarter and a half, he's got three hundred yards and three touchdowns. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna lose. I'm gonna freaking lose. Yeah. I want I ended up winning, but God bless uh Mahomes is I know we talked about it uh, before a few weeks ago or a month ago, whenever it was, but I do not understand how anybody can watch him throw a football and already, and his third year of starting say that he's not the greatest quarterback of all time as far as throwing the football. Yeah.
0: Agreed. I mean, I get, I get from an accomplishment standpoint, he's not even scratched the surface of what Tom Brady has done over the course of his career. But I said this on, on the show with Steely on Monday when Patrick Mahomes is at his best, I've never seen anybody play the position as well as Patrick Mahomes.
1: I don't even know. Like, even if, what is his best, though? Like, I don't even know what his best is because I don't think I've ever seen him play bad. I mean, there's been a couple of games where last year where he you know was dealing with the ankle injury that he wasn't as explosive and as good, but like he was still solid. But like, if he's healthy, I don't think I've ever seen him play a bad game.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he's just consistently fantastic.
1: Yeah, it's it's incredible. Like, no downs at all from game one of his— it was the second season, but the first year he started. Like, game one to now, if he's healthy, like, there's just no downs. And it's—and, you know, it helps to be with Andy Reid and being be in that system and have the weapons he has around him. But still, I mean, Tom Brady has had a good weapons, or like Peyton Manning had good weapons for almost his entire career. And I'm sure there was games where he just wasn't as impressive as yeah. he was the game before— and Patrick Mahomes, I just never feel like there's a dip in his performance. So it's, yeah, it's it's unbelievable. By the way, uh, Tyreek Hill helped me out when I made that argument last week about him potentially being the best receiver in the NFL. <laughs> yeah. He, 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 he helped me out with my argument because if he would have shown up for the four catches and 30 yards, it might have it looked pretty dumb. But 200 yards in the first quarter against that Bucs defense. Unbelievable. Uh, he's helping my argument.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's he's really good. Really good. I, I just, I you know, his speed is what separates him. And I think just as far as, as the complete package, there are a couple guys I like better. But he's in that conversation without a doubt. For sure. Just because yeah, you can't match up just, with the guy. I mean, it's like, we t- and we talked about this, the whole DK Metcalf thing. People like want to downgrade him by saying like, well, he's just big and fast. Like that's all. He's not, he's not like a well-rounded receiver. He's just big and fast. Well, you know what? Big and fast is working every single week. Like it's good enough to be one of the best in the NFL. <laughs>
1: what does that mean? What are we looking what is for? It,
0: he,
1: what does that mean that he's not a well-rounded receiver? Because he doesn't, uh, on his cuts, on like, in, you know, like, in routes that he doesn't cut as sharp. Yeah. As like Amari Cooper. Right. But like, what does it matter? He's still getting open by right. 10 yards. Exactly. Like, it doesn't matter if he doesn't do that.
0: He's still, he's still every week having big games. People can't
1: defend him. I'd like, it, not, th- tell me if I'm wrong, because I may just be re- misremembering. I was a little bit younger. But did, did people ever have conversations about like, oh, man, Randy Moss, he's such a great route runner. Look at these cuts. Or was the, the dude just going out there and yeah. being a better athlete. Yeah, than he was most just people? he
0: was just so much more dominant than everybody. Yeah.
1: yeah, I don't get that. Yeah. Like, if you're getting open, you're getting open.
0: Right. Right. Like, it's it's crazy to me. Um. I, and, and we talked about this last week, like in the NFL draft, like he felt, what was he, the 64th pick? Like yeah, he fell that far in the, far like, in the NFL draft because people like outsmarted themselves because generally in the draft, everybody's like, you know, let's go for the, the combine warriors, the, the guys that measure well. And that's exactly what he was. And it was almost like it was too good to be true. And so everybody like looked for bad, like reasons not to draft him high. Remember when like the three yeah. cone thing became the big, black mark on the resume. You
1: can't cut. You can't turn yeah, on a dime. Right. Well, you didn't need to turn on a dime. You could just outrun people in a straight line. He's 6'5 and
0: he runs a 4-340 for crying out loud.
1: Um, It's crazy to me that, and I remember when they were there at Ole Miss, like people talked about that receiving group, but like to have A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf in the same receiving yeah. group and A.J. Brown killed at Ole Miss. He was really good. He was good. really good, yeah. But they could not utilize DK Metcalf, and who knows? Maybe, maybe if DK Metcalf went to like New Orleans or you know Tampa Bay, somewhere the, the quarterback and I just picked the two oldest guys on purpose, but somewhere where the quarterback can't effectively throw it downfield as well as Russell Wilson, maybe he wouldn't be as effective. You know, maybe we'd be talking about DK Metcalf yeah. being kind of a bust, yeah. but because I mean, where you land plays a big part in the NFL and hell, every sport it matters where you land. Maybe not baseball, but where you go plays a huge part in your success. So maybe if that played out, it'd be different, but damn, to have DK Metcalf and AJ Brown at Ole Miss. And I didn't realize this until like this year, AJ Brown is gigantic. Oh
0: yeah. He's a a thick dude.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was a guy I loved coming out of Ole Miss. It's gotta, it's gotta be frustrating though, to be an Ole Miss fan, just be like, man, we completely dropped the ball and having these two, unbelievable receivers. Like, how do we not win, you know, nine games?
0: Yeah. How do you not utilize those guys? I mean, th- the same thing, I've said this for years about Tyreek Hill. Like, how... Not that he was bad at Oklahoma State, but how was he not utilized in, in a way where he was just completely dominant against college athletes?
1: Right. He, yeah, look, if you are... And I know you improve, you know, throughout your NFL career, but, like, that's mental stuff. Like, you're not going to get exponentially better physically and athletically from, you know, your senior year of college or your last year in college to whatever you 10 in the NFL, you five, you're probably going to decrease if anything. Yeah. How are you not like realizing that this dude runs a four two forty and nobody can keep up with him and not to mention he's got like a 45 inch vertical. Like it's not oh, like the yeah. dude can't out jump other, you know, defenders. Like what do you like? It's just poor coaching. And I, I think that a big part of it is that, and I think it's, more prevalent in college than it is in the NFL, but it's definitely prevalent in the NFL. You see guys like uh, you know, Mike McCarthy and other like old school guys like kinda get stuck in their systems and don't adapt to the talent that they have. And I'm sure that that's that been the that was the case with Tyreek Hill at Oklahoma State. Like Yep. I don't remember Gundy ever having a guy like Tyreek Hill at any point in his tenure.
0: Yeah. I, I mean he's he's a once in a lifetime type of guy. I mean with that type of speed there's just Nobody that even compares. And they just, I, I don't think they knew what to do with him. And, and look, he was used as a decoy a lot. Um, obviously, the biggest moment he had at Oklahoma State was the, the Bob Stoops rekick, uh, which, you know, it, it is, is what it is. But there just was I mean, he should have been a guy that every single week was making just monster plays. And that wasn't happening. And look, it wasn't even like a, a work hard thing. I remember at the, when he was there, I was still living in Stillwater, uh and i would drive by the the Sherman Smith center which is which is where they practice and like during the summer every single day he would be out in front of that building like doing three cone and running sprints and like working hard like by himself nobody else around just Tyreek Hill out there working his ass off by himself so the work ethic obviously was was never an issue either
1: yeah i yeah it's it's mind boggling cuz I mean, like, how do you, I, just, I would be so frustrated that, and look, Tyreek Hill is a probably a bad example to, like, defend to the T like this just because he's off the field stuff, but whatever.
0: Well, yeah, we're not talking about that part of it. We're talking about the football yeah.
1: part of it. Yeah. But if I'm a player at Oklahoma State and I'm like Tyreek Hill and I'm like, dude, I run a 4 Like we run, we run practices and none of these dudes can keep up with me. I'm out here busting my ass in my own time too, getting better. And you're just not going to like, you're not going to utilize me. Like I just, it would drive me crazy. And then you go to the NFL. Like there's, I wonder if there's some yeah. resentment there with Tyreek towards, towards Gundy and that coaching staff. Cause especially well, I mean, now he that he's got in let the NFL. Go,
0: so I'm sure that, I mean that there is if, if for no other reason than the fact that they, yeah. they cut him loose for the off the field stuff. But yeah, I mean, I, I would imagine so. I mean, same thing with Chris Carson, right? Like, and, and I don't know how much of Chris Carson was like the light bulb coming on when he got to the NFL, but he was another guy that just, I mean, most weeks at Oklahoma State just looked like an average dude, and then he gets to the NFL, and he's one of the, what, 10 to 15 best running backs in the world now?
1: He's been consistent. like I'm, you know, When he's, he's healthy, he's been fantastic. Games, yeah, yeah, he's been, for three years now, he's been a good running back when he's on the field. And, you know, it's like Pete Carroll and that coaching staff obviously saw something because... You know, they've really since Marshawn Lynch left, they had you know kind of just cycled through running backs. Like, how many running backs have carried the ball yeah. for Seattle for the they, past? They, few and years? they
0: keep bringing guys in, hoping those guys are going to take Chris Carson's spot, we, and he doesn't right. he doesn't give it give in.
1: Right, they tried to give the job to Rashad Penny last year. Yeah, and Chris Carson just continued to play better football. I, you know, other than the fumbles issues that he had before, like he really like he's a damn good running back. He's a yeah. physical running back, and Yeah, I mean I will say though, Oklahoma State at least, like Gundy does usually have a decent running back. Yeah. So maybe it was just a depth thing. And like you said, he never really flashed. So if the dude's not flashing and you've got other good running backs that can make plays, then I can't can't really complain. But Tyreek Hill, like I just like I don't understand how you could just see him and not give him a chance to make some plays for you, especially I mean, you need to he was there the this past decade. Like you needed to score. Yeah. Are Unless there are Trevor there Knight. other
0: examples of like Tyree Kill or Chris Carson guys that were power five guys in college that like were consi- got considerably better when they got to the NFL? Uh
1: I mean he was good in college, but like the first guy that comes to mind, and I think it's just because like the uh the coach just got completely stuck in his system and just didn't evaluate and like open his eyes to the talent that he had Justin Herbert. Oh yeah. Like I watched Justin Herbert in the NFL, and I'm like, if he – if Oregon would have played like this when he was there, if they would have let him play this type of quarterback, they would have been in the playoffs. But they just kind of – they were more conservative, and, like, his numbers were good. But, like, I watched him, and I was like, I don't see it with this dude. Like, he just – he just seems kind of like a game manager where they can throw it downfield every now and then. But, I mean, he's – I think he's a generational talent. Like, I think this dude is, if he stays healthy, he's going to be one of the top elite quarterbacks for the next decade. And to have at the quarterback position to have that, you see him every day in practice. It was the same thing like, with Anthony Lynn. Like, what the hell are you seeing in, 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 uh, before the season in training camp and saying, Tyrod Taylor needs to start over this dude? Right. Absurd. Like, sometimes coaches just can't get out of their own way.
0: Yeah. Well, and there's just this old guard that thinks every rookie quarterback needs to sit for a year or two, which is completely crazy. And look, I, I get that some guys aren't, from a mental standpoint or even maybe a playbook standpoint, ready to start the season. Uh, and, and maybe you have to, like, put them in at some point in their rookie year. But, you know, the game is, is just not in the same place that it was 10 or 15 years ago. There's not nearly the gap from one level to the next where guys need that long to adjust. They either, they, they're either going to do it or they're not.
1: Yeah. Other guys though, that didn't really do much in college that have been good NFL player. It, it's hard to think of though, because I mean, typically speaking, like even if they're drafted in the seventh round, they're probably playing a lot in college. Yeah. Like,
0: Okay, I'm thinking of like the top running backs in the NFL. Like Dalvin Cook was a beast at Florida State. Yeah. Derrick Henry was a Heisman winner, obviously. Christian McCaffrey probably should have been a Heisman winner. Zeke Elliott was great at Ohio State. Uh, Maybe Alvin Kamara fits in that category.
1: Yeah, I would say, yeah, Alvin Kamara, I think he was just another situation where they just did not utilize him properly in Tennessee. Uh,
0: Josh Jacobs. Maybe fits in that category, but more so just because that Alabama backfield had so many dudes that there was more of a rotation than him you know, that he just wasn't the feature guy.
1: That dude, uh I can't I, I can't remember who it was, but uh there's an OU's defender that uh would argue that Josh Jacobs was pretty damn good at Alabama.
0: Oh yeah. Uh was it was it Robert Barnes?
1: Yeah, yeah, Barnes, yes. Oh as he uh <laughs> He's still getting stiff-armed, I'm pretty sure. That was... So, you know how they let the media
0: on the field at the five-minute mark of the fourth quarter? Mm -hmm. I was at that game, and we had just walked on the field. And I don't know how long had had happened since we got on the field, but it wasn't very long. That was one of the first plays I remember seeing when we were down in that end zone, and it it happened basically right in front of us. I was just like, oh,
1: my God. Somebody just died in front of us. There's... I, I think that I think a good stiff arm is probably the best play in football because like it's it's so rare like you don't get a Derrick Henry, you know, stiff arm on uh, Josh Norman or like a yeah. Josh Jacobs stiff arm on Barnes like very often. So when you see it, it's just like oh my god, he just got it. Like it's just so disrespectful too. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, the other guy I can think of, Odell Beckham Jr., was not utilized very well at LSU.
1: Jar, Jarvis, Jarvis Landry, Landry, too, Landry.
0: probably. Yeah. yeah. And that's... I don't know if that's a quarterback thing or what, because they, you know... Until Joe Burrow, they had just struggled with quarterbacks for such a long period of time, but...
1: I mean, what, uh, have you When's the last time you looked at that LSU team that had uh, Jarvis and Odell?
0: That's probably been a couple years.
1: Oh. They... You want to make an argument for... Jeremy Hill was the running back, right? They had Jeremy Hill as the running back. They also had Alfred Blue, who had a nice oh, little, right. you know, run. In, with the uh, Texans, Eric Reed, yeah, uh, Jar- Jarvis Landry, um, Kenny Hilliard, who played in the NFL for like a hot minute. Jalen Mills, who's a good defensive back in Philadelphia. Quan Alexander was on that team. Um, there had to Danielle be a Hunter th- was like on th- that team. Who? Daniil Hunter. Oh yeah, Deion Jones, Lael Collins. Good lord, yeah. Tyron Matthew, Trey Turner, who's he's a decent offensive lineman. Uh, yeah, but the problem was their quarterback was Zach Zach Mettenberger. Good night. That's insane. There was more. Like that's just yeah. First ones I saw. Uh
0: oh, Morris Claiborne, who was a yeah, a uh, Thorpe He's Award a winner and a first-round right? draft pick. Michael Brockers, first-round draft pick. He's been with the Rams forever.
1: It's just good. Like night. if you want to make an argument for yeah. how important a quarterback position is, this LSU team is absolutely stacked. Barkevius Mingo, yeah, Kiki Mingo.
0: Unreal. Yeah, that team is loaded.
1: And they lost three games.
0: Yeah, and they're they're only bad in one position.
1: Quarterback. And even Mettenberger played in the league. What? Well, until J.J. Watt decided that he wasn't playing in the league anymore.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm just saying it's shocking that, that he even got that opportunity. But again that goes that just goes to show you what that whole like size arm strength combination can get you because you know he looked apart on paper he was he was what NFL teams want but the game didn't translate yeah. whatsoever.
1: Yeah, I'm glad that we've uh, moved past that and that guys like Russell Wilson have kind of changed the script that you know maybe we should just pay a little bit more attention to you know what they do on the field and not just how tall they are. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because give, give me Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson playing quarterback at their you know five-foot whatever over Zach Mettenberger and his six-foot whatever.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yuck. You think... Uh, but then it, Where are you at with Kyle Trask as far as being an NFL prospect?
1: Um, I haven't watched. I, I don't feel like I've watched enough. Kyle Trask to like really say that if I think he can make all of the NFL throws, um, I, I, I mean, I think that there's probably a good argument. I mean, if you're, if you're successfully playing quarterback in the sec and putting up numbers like he is, I mean, if you, I mean, he's only the first thing that stands out to me, obviously is the fact that he doesn't throw interceptions. So to me, that means that he's, he's making the right reads. His timing's pretty good with his receivers You know, he's if he's throwing contested passes, he's only putting it where his guy can get it, which in the NFL, that's what you need to do. Like the NFL quarterbacking is so much. There's so much timing involved because the windows are so small that if you're protecting the ball in college, and I think it probably will translate to you at least having a good chance in the NFL. Um I'm trying to, his arm strength's pretty good, right? Like, he's, he's, he's not going out there and noodle arming like any he uh, throws, is he?
0: Yeah, he he hasn't
1: wowed me. Like, I'm not just, like,
0: he's not one of those guys that I walk away from. And, like, Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray were both like this. Like, when you watch them throw, there's just so much heat on their football. Like, you, you just, there's no way you can not be impressed with the way they throw the ball. I don't get that with Trask. Um... So I I I don't know what the arm strength is for sure. Like I I don't I don't see the same velocity on his football that I do with some of the other guys that I would put in that category. You know the, the the protecting the ball thing is interesting too because Deshaun Watson is is a great example of this. The biggest knock on him coming out of Clemson was that he turned the ball over too much, and like that was a worry because I think a lot of people were just looking at the box score instead of like watching the game and seeing what you know, a lot of those interceptions look like, like that was never a concern for me because there were times that he, he took chances and I appreciated that, but he never really seemed to, to put the ball in jeopardy when the game was in a, in a tight situation, when, when he needed to be safe with the football and very precise, he was. And, and, you know, so like a lot of those were hey, we're up by 21 points, and I'm going to take a 50-50 shot here at my receiver and let it loose a little bit. So, I don't know. That was never a, a worry for me. Again, with Trask, I, I don't know. You, I think you have to push the envelope at the next level. If you just become a dink-and-dunk quarterback, you know, you become Tyrod Taylor. Like, right.
1: So, I, I, I
0: appreciate somewhat of a gunslinger mentality at the NFL level. I, I would rather have a guy like a Baker Mayfield, and look, if he, if he throws too many interceptions and he's not the guy, then so be it. But I would rather have that guy that's going to roll that dice than, than be too cautious. And I'm not saying that's Kyle Trask. I, I just I don't know.
1: Well, I don't know, that, I don't know that Baker's the best example for that because uh, Kevin Stefanski took Baker's six-shooter away from him.
0: No, no, I, I, I agree. I'm saying coming out of college, though. Oh, coming out of college, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah he yeah. was definitely a gunslinger. Yeah, I would was, rather have that guy hard. that he's I know like, is going to to attempt to push the ball down the field,
1: right? Then um, the opposite is Justin Herbert. Like he's significantly a better quarterback yeah. because he pushes the ball downfield yeah. so much in the NFL with with the Chargers. Yeah, I, I mean, size, size doesn't matter. Kyle Trask does have a good. I mean, he's he's big. He's a big dude. Yeah. So. You know the NFL scouts are going to like that. He's six five and two forty. He's got Justin Herbert size, a uh, frame back there. But yeah, Deshaun Watson thing though, real quick. It, it's it, I, I I do remember his knock being that he threw so many interceptions. I remember having conversations with my with my buddies about you know who the Texans needed to draft a quarterback, and it was pretty clear they needed to draft a quarterback because it was a year after yeah. Brock Osweiler was just freaking terrible. And I like Deshaun Watson. Uh, he was the one that I wanted because I didn't like Trubisky and Patrick Mahomes at the time. I was just the tech thing worried me a little bit just because they never like tech quarterbacks just never were, they never translated to the next level. So I was like, Watson's gotta be the guy, but the turnovers were a deal. But I was like, dude, what does it matter? Like he never lost. So like he's throwing interceptions in the second quarter, but in the fourth quarter, he's leading them on game winning drives. Right. Or they're winning by 30. Right. Like, what does it matter? But in the NFL, like, the interceptions, is like, the sacks have been an issue. Like, he holds onto the ball way too long a lot of the times. But as far as interceptions go, like, he's, he's only had one year that he's thrown double-digit interceptions. And I'm, I'm, yeah. I'd be pretty pleased with that. He would have been my Heisman vote that
0: year. And I, I it, for the interception reason, a lot of people, you know, wanted to take him out of that conversation because he threw too many picks. I'm like it's not impacting the game and it's not happening in critical situations. And I don't know, like that that Clemson team in general had a lot of weeks where collectively the team looked lethargic for large, large portions of the game and they would either blow people out early and then like put it in cruise control or they would just kind of like be lethargic out of the gate. And then when they needed to turn it on, they would turn it on and, and go win the game. Like, I, I didn't look at that necessarily as much as a Deshaun Watson issue as a Clemson issue, I guess. So, uh, I don't know. I thought he was the best player in the country. To your point, I thought he was the best player in that draft. I'm I'm with you on Mahomes as well. I, I obviously the skill set was considerably different than any other tech quarterback that had ever come through there with his arm strength and, and athleticism. But yeah, I mean, playing in that offense, I just didn't know how well it was going to translate to the next level. And if I, I my biggest question on him was, would he have the accuracy? In the NFL, and he obviously does, but yeah, Deshaun Watson, I mean, I you know would have been my first pick in that draft.
1: If only we knew he had the accuracy. Yeah. Without even looking. Yeah.
0: Unreal. Yeah, he's. I mean. Yeah. Look, I would have taken him over Mitch Trubisky. That's for sure. I I never thought that guy was a first round pick. Period.
1: Seven spots higher. Yeah. Not just taking him like this one spot higher. They took Trubisky at three. Yeah. Uh, I'm well, so above glad, both though, of those Mahomes guys, up, and
0: they traded up to get him. Above both of those guys,
1: I, I I think Mahomes would probably translate to any team, any system, but I don't think we'd get the same Mahomes in Chicago with Matt Nagy as we would, or hell, Matt Nagy may not even be in Chicago because uh, homeboy before may not have gotten fired if they had Mahomes. Was it
0: Tressman at the time, or remember. has there been somebody between? I can't remember the carousel that has been Chicago bear football that pick though I feel like is going to be the equivalent of Sam Bowie like it's the Sam Bowie NFL version draft pick
1: yeah I think and I think that's excuse me I think the conversation with between Matt uh, not Matt Nagy Matt uh, Trubisky and Patrick Mahomes and like the bears flubbing that is way more Detrimental and damning than like Tom Brady because it was the next quarterback in the first round. Yeah. Yeah. It, it wasn't like it was six rounds later in the quarter and Tom Brady went or Patrick Mahomes went. He went, he was the next quarterback taken. So, like, it was clear that there were first round grades for him and people were very aware of his talent. And you said, nope, let's give me Mitch Trubisky. Mitch Trubisky out of North Carolina. Oh, uh, John Fox. John Fox was there between Tresman and, uh, and uh, okay. Nagy. Yeah, John Fox God, probably. He, he'd probably still be there if they had Mahomes.
0: Yeah. We uh, we talked about Tylen Wallace and his draft grade last week. So I, I looked at some other websites because I, I gave you the PFF big board on their receivers. And they had Tylen Wallace as the number nine receiver in college football coming out for the NFL draft. They had him as the 59th overall prospect. So I found several other draft sites, and, and here's one of them that have, I'll just give you the names, above Tylan Wallace, just in the receiver category for this upcoming NFL draft. Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddell, Rondell Moore, Devontae Smith, Rashad Bateman, Terrence Marshall, Amon Ross St. Brown, Chris Olav, Sage Surratt, Kadarius Toney, Seth Williams, Daz Newsom, and then Tylan Wallace.
1: So, That's thirteen. What thirteen? I, I'm a little like I'm a little biased because I've watched you know it's Big Twelve football. I've watched a lot of Oklahoma State and I've seen a lot of Tyler Walls. I just right. help me out. Like where where is the big like flaw in his game that he's getting knocked down behind twelve receivers? I, I he's not like blazing fast or anything. Like he yeah. doesn't jump off the field as far as athleticism, but right. I like, mean, there's just, we talked about DK. There's there's an argument and we talked about DK Metcalf, you know, just having unbelievable athleticism. They doesn't have to be the best receiver technically. But I think that there's still an argument to be the opposite, way. Like you don't have to be the best. I mean, Amari Cooper is not in a ama- like the, doesn't blow you off the field with his athleticism, but he's such a technically sound receiver right. that he's still super effective. So I'm like I'm just confused where the knock is. Yeah,
0: I don't know. I I think it's just cuz he doesn't he doesn't wow you with his size. He doesn't wow you with his speed. And he doesn't wow you with his playmaking ability as far as the ball in his hands, right? Like how many times do you see him like make that catch and then like make like six guys miss and take it to the house? That just doesn't happen. So like, again, I've, I've talked about this a lot. It's almost like at that position, people take for granted because receivers are supposed to just catch the ball, like track the ball and catch it. It's almost like that is one of those aspects of the game that's completely overlooked. And how many guys are there in the NFL that are not good at that? A lot of them. A lot of receivers in the NFL are not good at tracking the football and catching the football down the field. Tylan Wallace is not only good at that, he's a lead at that. He's, he's better than almost anybody I've ever seen do it. And that's just, his specialty is one of those things that I think just gets overlooked in football. Because, like, that, you're supposed to do that.
1: Right. Until, you know, you're C.D. Lamb and you're making an adjustment on a ball in the corner of the end zone and making an amazing play, then everybody's like, oh, wow, look at him track that ball. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. It's just, it's every year it's taken for granted. People just don't have an appreciation for that skill like they should, because I think, again, it's the assumption that as a receiver, that should just be something that you do well and not, not all receivers do that well at all. But when you look at the rest of this list, it's guys that are either physically impressive, have blazing speed or catch the ball and, you know, make guys miss in space.
1: Yeah, and i I don't know that I don't think Tyler Wallace was gonna be like an elite receiver in the NFL, but I think that he's as far as the draft class, like, I think he could be better than the 14th best receiver. Like I think he could be yeah. an effective NFL receiver playing in the slot, just you know running good routes, making plays in the middle of the field. Like I think he could absolutely be that guy for an NFL team, especially I mean in today's NFL. Like yeah, for sure. I just like it's I don't know, I'm just not seeing it. And he's got like. It's not like, and he's played for years. Like he's got plenty of film at at OSU and put up numbers in plenty of games. I just, yeah, I don't know. It's Just a little jarring to me to see him down that low.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of it depends on on fit, but like he could be a Tyler Lockett type guy if he had a Russell
1: Wilson. Yeah, I yeah, I think so. So hell, who knows? The, Seattle will probably draft him, and he'll just be another amazing receiver for. Russell Wilson to throw to, and maybe finally Russell get an MVP. Finally, he's blowing it this year. He's blowing it. He had and the chance. Two bad games. Yeah. I I at week eight, I would have said, oh for sure, Russell Wilson's gonna win the MVP, and then he goes out and has that. He kind of has a couple of uh, turnover prone games, and Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers are amazing. I was like, uh not this year, Russ. Oh, uh, and and again. It's almost like
0: Patrick Mahomes has already, in his third year starting at quarterback, he's already reached this level that like LeBron James and Michael Jordan reached, where they're the best player in their sport, but we're like collectively, people are looking to give somebody else an opportunity to win the MVP. Like the guy's only won it once, and even coming into the year, we're already trying to like create these narratives for other people to have a chance against Patrick Mahomes.
1: Romo, Romo, and uh, Jim Nance were talking about this. Uh, not the MVP thing, but they were talking about Patrick Mahomes and like how it's only his third year starting, but like you just kind of look at him as like this grizzly veteran that, yeah re- like just he, mentally like he's he unflustered and like he's perfect. Like you know exactly he knows exactly what the defense is going to run every play. Like you know you you think man, oh these rookie quarterbacks and they're gonna they can really learn something from Mahomes, a you know grizzly wise veteran. He's like twenty six, yeah, twenty seven. Like he's been in the league for four years. He's, it's, I'm glad that uh, I'm witnessing this because, like, I, I didn't see Brett Favre really until, like, he was halfway through his career when I started watching the NFL. I missed John Elway pretty much all of his career. Um, I saw most of Peyton Manning's and Tom Brady's, but, like, to see Patrick Holmes go from, watch him in college, go to the NFL, and then just become what he's become, like, that's why I like sports this is why, like, uh, you know, I'm glad that I can tell my grandkids like, oh, Patrick Mahomes. Oh, yeah, he was so good. Yeah. And I honestly, like, I don't know unless they start doing like robots and androids in the NFL. Like, I do not think the human body is capable of doing more than what Patrick Mahomes can do right now.
0: Right. Yeah. Do we know for sure that he's not some sort of That's robot?
1: Fair. He does have a goofy voice, so like you feel like you figure they would flaw if they're gonna give him a flaw and make him seem more human. You don't want him to seem too perfect. Yeah. Make him sound like Kermit Frog. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, he's a freak. What
0: is your confidence level that Oklahoma Baylor is gonna take place? Because there's a lot of conversation this week that um people should be worried. Uh I, I said I won't be, I think. Relieved until we get to Thursday without an announcement. We're at Wednesday now, but it's, you know, it's Wednesday morning. So, uh, today's the big day. I think if we get through today, green lights, we're, we're a go.
1: So it's just, correct me if I'm wrong, is Baylor having COVID issues right now or is it just OU that's having the issues? Just OU, to my knowledge. Just OU. Yeah. Okay. That's what I thought. I hadn't heard anything from Baylor. I know Baylor had issues earlier in the season. Um, I think it's gonna happen. I, I think that OU right now, it, it, Bob Stoops is coming back to, you know, help you coach a game. You got to make sure that game happens. You know, you can't waste the, the Tequila Man's time. Right. He's making gotta, the rounds. Get out. Right. But the fact that Lincoln is, you know, moving forward through the week with practice and coaching and like calling Bob, and be like, hey, like we're a little short handed on our coaching staff. Can you come in and help? Like to me, that says that Lincoln is pretty confident this game's gonna happen.
0: I, I heard a conspiracy theory that the Bob Stoops stuff was a smokescreen for the COVID issues. Canceled.
1: That I mean, it could be. I mean, it's, we're talking about that right now. That's all Twitter. was talking about last night was Bob Stoops coming back to to help Lincoln coach this Saturday, and nobody was really talking about the COVID stuff as much. But I I did see something. It was something like there's like forty or fifty people or something like that that had tested positive in like the OU athletic department. I may be miscuing that, misdrewing that number, but it was a good amount of people in the athletic program department that uh, yeah. have COVID. But I, what, I mean, what, I don't, what are they going to do if they cancel it? Because they like, they've already pushed the Big 12 championship game back. I don't imagine they want to push it back another week. Like, do you just not play the game? Do you just cancel the game completely? I,
0: my guess, and, and again, I, I still have not heard anything official from the Big 12 on this issue which is weird to me. And maybe I just missed it, which is completely possible. But my assumption would be they would just go off of winning percentage. And that would not be a good thing for OU.
1: Uh, but no, you need this win. Yeah, yeah
0: I, you know, I, I don't know. I, d- I don't think they would push it back because all the other conferences are going to play their title games on that, w- that same 19th date as well. And then on the 20th is when the college football playoff is supposed to announce their decision. So I can't imagine that the Big 12 solo would decide to push their championship game. Now, if college football collectively said, hey, we're going to like push everything back a week to give some of these conferences the opportunity to play makeup games or whatever, then we'll do that. But like the ACC has already kind of put into motion um, Notre Dame getting into the game, into their game. And I don't know, it just kind of feels like college football is not going to to do anything about their their title date.
1: And they – the Big 12 did push it back originally, right? It was supposed to be a week before, I right? I think it and was originally was the 12th, Baylor, yeah,
0: and I think they pushed yeah, it back. Baylor,
1: West right. Virginia maybe. some, some Oklahoma, There was some game that got postponed that they were just going to play it that week, and now there's been a couple games uh, that have been postponed. So, actually – It wasn't Baylor and West Virginia. I don't know who I was thinking of. But, yeah, it's – I mean, the OU needs to play this game. Like, I don't, OU cannot afford to not play this game and, and yeah. get that win because, the hell, if Oklahoma State plays out and they win their last two games, which are TCU mm-hmm. and Baylor, which are both completely winnable games, they're 8-2, and two, Oklahoma 7-2. and two, And if they go off winning percentage – Oh, you screwed. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, what the, how the hell is a college football playoff committee putting Georgia over Iowa State? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's the losses,
0: right? Like, Iowa State has Iowa lost State. to
1: well, Oklahoma one, State, who's at 15,
0: back. and to Louisiana. Was it Louisiana? Okay, yeah, Louisiana. Whereas Georgia's two losses are to number one, Alabama, and number six, Florida. I mean, that's it. Yeah, that's tough.
1: Yeah. That, that, that Louisiana game hurt. Because I don't think the Oklahoma State loss is a bad loss, necessarily. Well, no, Iowa but, State does it, but have even Oklahoma State is ranked Oklahoma.
0: considerably lower than the two teams that Georgia lost to. It lost to, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, it's not like Georgia was close in those games, either.
1: Right. Georgia at eight still seems high.
0: Yes. Agreed. They moved up. They're, I, I, yeah, I don't think they're that good. Yeah, I don't either. They're not a top uh, ten I'm team. Glad that, my mind.
1: I'm glad that Northwestern decided to lose. That made things a little bit uh, easier as far as not even having to have the conversation about Northwestern goes.
0: Yeah, I think I mean this thing could open up for sure. Uh somebody is going to have to lose in the top 4 though because if if Clemson beats Notre Dame in the ACC Championship game with Trevor Lawrence, I think they're both getting in. I think so. Too. Unless Clemson wins by like 35 or something stupid, like unless it's just a blowout. If it's a somewhat competitive game, I think both teams get in. I think if Ohio State wins out, they're in. It gets interesting if they don't get to play, because if they have one more cancellation, they don't get to play in the Big Ten Championship. So what would, like, a 6-0 and Ohio State team that doesn't get to play for the championship, that is not a conference champion, and has basically played about half the games as everybody else, like, do they get the benefit of the doubt? I would say part of that probably just depends on how good they look in these last couple matchups that they have available. So it's, I mean, eye test is really important for them. If, if you are the coaching staff, you need to not only win, but run it up just to give those committee members the warm and fuzzies about your football team. I think it's a great thing for Oklahoma that Iowa State jumped the Sooners. And if you're talking about things potentially opening, opening up in the top four, I'm not saying that Oklahoma would be guaranteed a spot, but I think it would make the discussion really interesting if the Sooners get to the Big 12 title game beat a higher-ranked Iowa State team that's ranked in the top 10 to become a conference champion as well. Like, I think you, you have to have a real conversation about does that, is that good enough to, to jump Cincinnati? Is that good enough to jump a one-loss non-conference champion in Texas A&M? Again, I'm not saying it's a guarantee to happen, but I think that would be a serious conversation that they would have.
1: I mean, that's right on brand, right? Yep is Oklahoma sneaks into the back end in that fourth spot of the college football playoffs. Now, hopefully you, you, you know, you, you want to hope the recipe changes this year. They don't get absolutely destroyed uh, in that semifinal game again. Um, which, you know, in hindsight, you look back at that Georgia game and you're like, damn, that was like the only chance that they really had at winning that semifinal game. Yeah. And, and they let it slip away. And, could well, you know, it's kind of frustrating as for Sooner fans, I would imagine. But yeah, I just the SEC scares me too, though, because A and M is up there, like, and this is kind of a conversation that I don't. I think in a normal year, you probably aren't having this conversation, but because teams, there's just so so much variance in how many games teams are playing, and like, you know, they're only playing conference schedules for the most part, other than maybe one game. I mean, do you put a two-loss Oklahoma team in with a conference win over an A&M team whose only loss was Alabama, right? Yeah. I, it's just, I I think there's a lot of conversations who, I mean, I think it, like we talked about before, is, it's got to be somewhat eye test. It's got to be more eye test this year, in my yeah. opinion.
0: Agreed. And, and if you watched, I don't know if you saw any of that A&M-LSU game, but A&M wasn't impressive in that game. They still have two games left with Auburn and Tennessee, both on the road. So there's still time for them to... to put some better football on tape. But you know, if they if they don't look good against Auburn, they don't look good against Tennessee, but they get wins, Oklahoma wins out, avenges one of their two losses against a team that's ranked in the in the committee's top ten to also become a become a conference champion, I think that there's there's going to be a legitimate conversation as to whether or not Oklahoma jumps A and M or not. I don't think it's just a guarantee that A and M would be the next team to move up.
1: Yeah, and I, I think that I mean, OU, just like we talked about, just for getting in the Big 12 championship game, like, OU desperately needs to play these last two games Yeah, and look how they've looked for the past month because we had this conversation last week. Like, you look at those teams they were playing, you know, TCU, Tech, K, uh, KU, and Oklahoma State. Like, those aren't teams that have good offensive lines. So, like, or, do you take the performance of that front seven with a grain of salt because they were playing bad teams? And I'm not saying Baylor or West Virginia is going to, you know, be any better than Oklahoma state or any of those teams, but up front, but you just need more tape. Like you need to prove that to the committee that you are, it's not just a flash in the pan with your defense. Like you're consistently playing top level defense. And I saw a thing PFF posted yesterday that like their top five defensive line grades and Oklahoma was in the top five. Yeah. Um. So like they're playing really good football from, you know, the eyeball test right now and the analytical test. But you just need more tape because I think that the committee and I think that the nation as a whole, outside of – hell, I would say especially in Oklahoma, they they know not to buy into this OU team. Right. As well, one of the elite teams in the country, yeah, just from
0: a quick flash in the pan. Agreed. Agreed. And And look, the defensive line specifically has looked great since the Texas game. I mean, they completely dominated the Texas game until mm-hmm. the coaching staff decided to – start rushing three and go into prevent mode with seven minutes left in the game. And that's when Texas basically doubled their their entire offensive production and scored double the amount of points that they had scored all, all game. But the, the defensive line dominated that game from nearly start to finish. And then TCU, Tech, Kansas, Oklahoma State, again, understanding that that all of those teams have their, their offensive line issues, it's five straight games that the defensive line has been completely dominant. And regardless of of competition, you add two more to that mix, and you're talking about just seven straight games where the defensive line is dominated. Yeah, I, I, I mean, that that removes any benefit of the doubt as to whether or not it's just the competition, or you know that group is just doing it consistently regardless of who they're playing.
1: Yeah, and then uh, like we said, the final seal—like you need to get in that Big Twelve championship game, and you need to beat Iowa State. Like yeah. you need to beat. That team that's ranked ahead of you, Iowa State. First off, they need to win. Now, if Iowa State loses, then that just screws everything up. Right. But they just have West Virginia left, and then they're done. So I, th- it's a winnable game, absolutely. But I mean, who knows? It's freaking Big Twelve. Like Iowa State lost to Louisiana to open the season. They get they didn't just lose to Louisiana; they lost by seventeen, and they played a lot better since then, obviously. But I mean, I, I could see it happening. I mean, Iowa State's played a lot of close games this year. I could see them finally getting on the wrong side of that coin in a close game. Yeah, it could happen for they sure. Yeah. But Iowa State, outside Oklahoma, I would say it's – you can easily decide that they're the best team in the Big 12 outside of Oklahoma, and you need Oklahoma to play them and beat them. Otherwise – I mean, if Oklahoma goes in and plays Oklahoma State in the Big 12 championship game, I don't think the committee is going to be impressed. Why would they be impressed by that? They destroyed Oklahoma State already. Yeah. Why? What's another win going to do? It's not like – You know, maybe if they beat Oklahoma State by three and in a Big 12 championship game, they win by 20. That's different than they've already beaten them by 20. They can't win any more impressively than what they've already won. (laughs) Right.
0: Yeah. The Iowa State, it it would have to be Iowa State and it would have to be Iowa State staying ahead of them for that to become, I think, a legitimate conversation.
1: It also allows OU to avenge one of their losses, which in college football to the committee, like that's a big deal. Like for whatever reason, avenging your loss is a big deal to the committee. So Yeah. Yeah, it's it's gotta be Iowa State. And obviously, like you said, you you need some help up top because the top is just so loaded with teams in the same conference. Which it could easily play out. Like it Alabama and Notre Dame could absolutely win out, go and defeat and win their conference championship games, and knock Florida out of the conversation and knock Clemson out of the conversation. Then it just really comes down to are you going to put a five or six win Ohio State team in there that may or may not win their conference? Yeah, I mean, yeah, probably exactly. Like, what happens? Even-
0: let's let's just say Michigan, who's had COVID issues anyway. Let's just say Michigan cancels their game with Ohio State for COVID reasons. Ohio State then has no they they can't they don't qualify to play in the Big Ten championship. They're not a conference champion, and they've played a total of six football games. I don't know if that rules them out necessarily, but. You have to have the conversation. Whereas if, if Ohio State wins the Big Ten championship, they're in. There's no doubt in my mind. They are in if they went out and they're a Big Ten champion. But it becomes a conversation if, if that goes the other way. If Florida is eliminated by Alabama and Clemson is eliminated by losing to Notre Dame a second time, you're talking about two spots. And I think the conversation starts becoming potentially unbeaten Cincinnati, that's a non-Power 5 team, a one-loss, non-conference champion a and who, again, I wasn't overly impressed with against LSU last weekend, so a lot of their finale is going to have to be, I think, style points to close the season. And then an Oklahoma team that would have won eight in a row to close out the season is a conference champion and avenges one of their losses at the end to a higher-ranked team that is in the committee's top ten. I'm telling you, like te- the path is there. It's it's crazy to even think it's possible, but if that scenario happens, I'm not saying that they do get the benefit of the doubt 100%, but I, I, I absolutely believe they will be considered, and there will be serious discussions as to which way they go.
1: If Texas A&M gets into the college football play of this year, I am going to drive to Norman. <laughs> I'm going to walk into Lake Thunderbird and never come out because... <laughs> My God, if I have to listen to Texas A&M fans for the next 25 years talk about getting into the college football playoff that one time, I'm going to – I'm, I'm going to – like, I'm going to do stuff to myself. And it's, and my family is going to be very upset about it. So please, for the love of God, do not let Texas A&M get in. But, I mean, if that scenario falls and there's two spots, like, there's – a I mean, there's probably a solid argument for Texas A&M being one of those teams, especially if Ohio State – doesn't win their conference, like I just yeah. don't like. I think I think there's probably a safe argument that you could make that Ohio State is one of the five best teams in the country, even if they only play five games. I agree. Like, just from a talent, just from a talent perspective and a coaching perspective, like they're one of the five best teams, even if they only play half the games. Everybody else, but there has to be some principle in putting these teams in. Like you can't just you can't just put Ohio State in there because. The, I mean, they clearly passed the eye test, and they're a really good football team. There, there has to be – which goes against kind of devil's advocate of what I was saying, where the eye test has to really matter this year, but there needs to be some principle. Some like standard, groundwork. like some basement-level yeah. qualifier, right? Exactly. Yeah. Like, you you can't – how are you get in the college football playoff if you're not even bowl eligible in a normal season? You didn't play enough games yeah. to be – yeah, like – I understand that it's a different season. Like, if they can't play enough games, they can't play enough games. It's out of their control, yeah. but – yeah, I don't know. I still, uh, like I said, you, I, I think
0: they would get in still, even if they don't get the Big Ten championship scenario. And if, if they are unbeaten, but like Michigan cancels, I still think they're getting in. But I think they are 100% under the microscope, and you never know what happens if you get under the microscope and that committee really starts getting into an argument over and and the the more deserving... Aspect comes up and, and they start to really consider that because, you know, they've said it's about who the best four teams are. And, you know, some of the things that they, I think, use to make those decisions are conference championships, which would go against Ohio State. Those, that would also go against Texas A&M, and that's one of the qualifiers for the Sooners. But it's also how good you are at the end of the season, who you are today, and you know, again, if 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 you're adding Oklahoma into that conversation, and you're talking about them winning eight in a row to close the season and avenging one of their early season losses to a team that the committee obviously thinks is good, how does Oklahoma stack up to Ohio State in that scenario? I again, I, I don't I don't know that they get the benefit of the doubt, but
1: well, I don't. It's going to be interesting, and they would have a they would have a shot. If if you know if Jim Harbaugh has his way and is able to get that Ohio State game canceled and potentially be the final thing that need, that he gets one more... Like, the thing that gets him one more year at Michigan is getting the Ohio State game canceled. Because that's the only way that they can beat Ohio State.
0: They've lost eight in a row to Ohio State. And, and they've it's lost 15 of the last 16. Michigan's <sighs> lost 15 I mean, of the last 16 games to the Buckeyes.
1: I still remember the... I can't remember what year it was. I would say like 2006 or 2007. They were one and two.
0: Yeah, was that that was like Mike Hart uh, and
1: yeah, yeah. Henny was it? Hennie? Yeah, yeah. Hennie, I was like, yeah. oh, this game's going to be awesome. One and two, Ohio State, Michigan, and I'm pretty sure Ohio State just won that game easily, of course. But how, if you're the committee and Ohio State comes in at the point where they make the selection, Ohio State wouldn't have played. They would have played one game in a month. Yeah how do you make the argument that they're playing good football right now? Like, I, I, how is there even an eye test for Ohio State at that point when you've seen them play 60 minutes of football in a month? Yeah. And they want have played half teams,
0: as many games as some teams have wins.
1: Right. If I'm other teams, if I'm Alabama or Notre Dame, I'm kind of annoyed. that I'm pissed off that Ohio State gets in when they've played half the games as I have, which means that they're less injuries. They're fresher. They're healthier. Um, I mean, there's an argument to be made for, you know, kind of the experience and kind of making adjustments throughout the season and not really getting as much opportunity to do that. But just from a health standpoint, like, I, I'd be frustrated. Like, why did we have to play 10 games? We could have just played six games and got in. Oh, like, Why wow, yeah, would we sure. play 10 games? Like, we put our bodies on the line and bust our ass for twice as the amount of games that they did, and they still get in. They didn't even win their conference. Yeah, a Blue
0: Blood... I mean, in, in this scenario, could play half their games, go 6-0, and and get the benefit
1: of the doubt. Right? Yeah, I, man. I, I think just from a PR thing, I think putting Ohio State in, if they, if they only play five games. Now, if they, they end up playing that Michigan game and get to the Big the championship game and win that, and then, you know, th- that changes things a little bit for me. Like that, there's a They're big in difference for sure if games. that happens.
0: There's no doubt yeah, in my the, mind that if they, if they win out and they are the Big Ten champion, they will be in. I like like that's 100% certainty for me.
1: Right. 7 and 0 is a big difference in college football in this season. 7 0 is a big difference between 7 and 0 and 5 and 0. Well, and playing a, so, a you know, quote unquote championship game.
0: Like right. a game that that has a a trophy on the line.
1: Right. And I I I can't imagine a world where Ohio State it doesn't win every game they play the rest of the year. Right. At, you know, before the playoffs. But if they don't, like I just don't like how do you the you're losing so much credibility in my eyes by putting Ohio State in even over a two loss Oklahoma team or, you know, a two loss Iowa State team, whichever team wins the Big 12. Hell, it's less credible to me to put Ohio State in at five and oh with no conference championship game than it would be to put a one loss A&M team in with no conference championship game. Yeah.
0: Well, that's you know, that's why this thing is so frustrating for a lot of people, because their job is to put the best four teams in. But what you do through the course of the season has to be taken into consideration, right? Like it, the games have to matter or what's the point. Otherwise we just go into every season, looking at the preseason top four and saying, these are the best four teams. So as long as they don't lose, this is who we're we're going to put in the, in the playoff. Like what you do right. on the field has to matter to some degree. Other than just, we believe these are the best four teams. So that's where it's like, you know, what is, what is that percentage of how much you take into consideration these other elements beyond just, do we believe this is one of the best four teams? Because, like, I think Ohio State's one of the best four teams. Like, I, if, if, if Ohio State played Oklahoma today or Ohio State played Iowa State today, I would pick Ohio State to win. Sure. But that, that doesn't mean that they're guaranteed better. That's just my opinion. So, like, we do right. this with college football all the time. Like, we, we, we think... We know who the best four teams are, but we have to use what happens on the field to some degree to make that, that call.
1: Right. Which is, which is what makes college football fun and frustrating at the same time is that it there's so like, it seems like 85% of college football conversation is just hypothetical and like, Oh yeah. You know, opinion and subjective. So that's what makes it fun because there's endless conversations you can have about it. But at the same time, when you're trying to pick the four best teams out of, realistically we'll call it 10 because Pat, once you get past 10, those teams really aren't in the conversation, but we're trying to pick the best four out of 10 teams at any point in the season. Like it's just like one. And that's another thing is I don't think the committee even internally really has like a, a standard that they're looking for. I think that each person just has their own subjective opinion and votes on it. Like one person might say, well, they have Justin Fields. That means more to me than, you know, uh, right, team B having a great defense. Right. So, which, I know a lot of people hated the BCS, but I kind of, at this point, at this point in the college football playoffs, like, I like having four teams, but as far as the selection process, I kind of like the BCS better. Like, it because it's just, I don't know. It, it was nice not having the human factor. Like, you couldn't really argue. Once they got past Oklahoma getting yeah. in after they lost to Kansas State, they really fixed the system, and it felt like every year they had the right two teams in the national championship game. Yeah. So
0: absolutely, I we mean, were- it, think about this year. Like we're all arguing about whether Ohio State is deserving of a top four spot. We're arguing about whether Cincinnati or A and M would be that fourth team if things opened up the right way, or if or if a Big Twelve champion has a shot, or like if BYU is ranked way too low. But in the BCS days, none of us would even be having a, having a conversation right now because clearly Alabama-Notre Dame would be the matchup. And it's not even debatable.
1: Right. And I, look, if you want to go, go to, let's go to four with the BCS. Like, I'm in on that. Like, give me four teams with the BCS selection process and the computers because I just like having four teams. It's just more fun. Yeah, the to semifinals, to the even though they haven't been
0: good games, the semifinals are awesome.
1: But at least I know, like they could tell me when the BCS are like, okay, here's what we look at, or here's what the computers process. Yeah. Strength of schedule. Uh, qu- they put a grade on quality wins, like all this stuff. Like, and I, they did take into like they did take the human polls into consideration too into the, the BCS right. Like, where you were at the AP mm-hmm. affected your yep. right. So I think it was a small percentage, element. but yeah,
0: it it had it ha- it was part of their equation. Into you know whatever that that uh, whole situation was.
1: Well, there you go. That also puts in a small human element, but it doesn't give you know twelve people the entire control over the college football landscape. I I, I don't know. I just it seemed to play out better, and the national championship games in the playoffs they've they've been good too. So like I guess at the end of the day, more or less, the right two teams have been getting in, but. I just don't know. I don't. I guess I, the, my problem is I don't understand the the thought process behind this election with the committee uh, most of the time. It, it just it feels it just feels too heavily favored towards the blue bloods. Yeah.
0: Well, it is. Yeah. I mean, it's people get mad at me for saying group of five teams don't have a chance, but I mean that's just the reality of the situation. Like group of five teams so don't mind. have a chance to win a national championship in this setup. I mean, Power 5 teams that aren't Blue Bloods have a hard time having an opportunity.
1: Right. Cincinnati's 8-0, no. and I don't think there's anything that could happen outside of teams above them losing. I don't even know if teams above them losing would knock them up yeah. or move Cincinnati up. Like I'm pretty sure if Notre Dame or Alabama lost, they would still be above Cincinnati at 7.
0: Is the American the best? the best non-Power 5 conference? I think it probably is, but... I don't know. Could there be an argument for another conference?
1: Uh, probably not because the, a- the AAC was a BCS conference, right? It was the, um, the Big East, right?
0: Well, that is the American,
1: right? Right, right. But they were, they were a BCS conference, right?
0: Uh, the Big East was. The Big East was a like considered in that same group.
1: Right before they, they had automatically to a BCS game. Yeah. Okay. Uh. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, Central Florida—they're not, you know, not that like great right this year, but like they're they're a good program. Like Cincinnati's good. Houston. I, yeah, I'd say they're the. I'd say they're probably the best group of five conference.
0: Yeah. UCF, South Florida, Memphis, Cincinnati.
1: Yeah. I. I'd... Yeah, I'd say I'd say that pretty comfortably. Tulsa.
0: So, yeah, I mean, even, even as the best non-Power 5 conference being undefeated, you, you see the weight of that. Like, it's... Right.
1: And, if, and I guarantee
0: you, if, like, the Big 12 champion... I, I shouldn't say guarantee, because there is a chance that this doesn't play out that way. But I feel confident, I guess is the better way to say it. I feel confident in saying that if Iowa State or Oklahoma doesn't lose the rest of the way, the winner of that Big 12 championship game probably jumps Cincinnati.
1: Yes, I would say so. Yeah. I would say it's got two losses, and the only team separating them in Cincinnati is Georgia.
0: Right. And then when you add the conference championship tag to that name, then,
1: yeah,
0: same thing with Oklahoma. I think they jump Cincinnati.
1: Yeah, Cincinnati has one game left against Tulsa, and I guess then they... Uh, I, I don't know if the AAC is having a conference championship game, but if they are, then it looks like they'll probably play Tulsa again.
0: Yeah. And, like... You know, there's conversation about Georgia and Miami. Like, those teams don't matter. Because, again, Iowa State or Oklahoma winning out and winning a conference championship, they're going to be ranked over, regardless, they're going to be ranked over Miami or Georgia.
1: If Miami mattered, they they wouldn't be two spots behind a two-loss Georgia team. Right. Because, I mean, there's no argument for Miami not being a, you know, a big program and playing in a Power 5 conference, because they do. They meet both those criteria, but they're still... Behind Cincinnati and a two-loss Georgia team. And a two-loss Iowa State team, for that matter.
0: Right. Georgia's only in that position because, again, preseason, and I was in this group, I thought Georgia was one of the best five teams in college football. Uh, And I think from a talent standpoint, they probably are one of the five most talented teams in college football. But they've been garbage most of the year. The defense has underperformed, and they've had a god-awful quarterback. I mean, talking about that LSU team earlier, where you're just loaded in so many spots, but your quarterback stinks, I mean, that, that's kind of been the same situation with George all year. Like, if you don't have a good quarterback, you're going to be put in some bad situations, and the offense can't move the ball, and the defense gives up big plays, and yeah, they're not a they're not a top-five team by any means. But because I that, because they were highly viewed, and they're really talented, and their two losses are to Alabama and Florida, they kind of get that, like, well, we'll just put them at the top of the two loss teams.
1: I think that, okay, so that that might be the biggest problem for me with the, just the, the idea behind the playoff committee. Right. Is it, it's just, it's human nature to try Like you don't want to be wrong. Yeah. And so you're going to spin this narrative any way you can to help your argument to like before the season that you, that you're right. Like, yeah, you don't want to go out on TV or in a paper or interview or whatever and say, I think Georgia's is one of the four best teams and then we're in December and there are two losses and you're, you're realistically, most people are going to come up with reasons that they're still one of the five or six best teams in the country. Yeah. And they're going to put them up there. Like I, I'm just looking at it now, like the comparison between the playoff rankings and like the AP top 25 and the coaches top 25, like there's some significant differences. Like BYU is at number eight in the coaches poll and the AP poll 13 in the playoff committee. Uh, Indiana's a top 10 team and uh, the AP poll 11 and coaches like, yeah, it, there's some significant like different viewing perspectives from the playoff committee and the other polls. Yeah. I mean, I, w- I will say I didn't Louisiana is ranked in all three polls though. So that does help Iowa state.
0: Yeah, there you go. Louisiana 25th, yeah.
1: right? Yeah. And the uh, only
0: loss was to coastal Carolina who was, uh,
1: Who's nine and zero? Oh.
0: Just it's cruising the, along through this football season, yeah.
1: The only thing I know about Coastal Carolina is that one time they were in the NCAA tournament, and made a nice little run, and they just their entire offense was we're gonna dunk the ball every time. Was that Andy Infield? I think so. Who's yeah. now the
0: the uh, USC head coach?
1: I think so. Oh, another thing. Okay, I know Coastal Carolina for two things that. And uh, the, the football coach, I don't know, remember his name, but it was a few years back when he did the press conference. Oh, no, said, oh, we don't want no It was cat. Florida Gulf Coast. Oh, am I getting mix up that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, I guess the only thing I know about Coastal Carolina then is the football coach doing the press conference talking about, oh, we don't want no dogs. Yeah. Right, we don't want no cats. We want some dogs. Yeah. That whole thing. Well, you're
0: forgetting that it they was, were the... Didn't they win the College World Series? Like... Four years yeah. ago?
1: Yes. Yes. Okay. So I was i, knew, I was I at was,
0: that College World Series. I was like, Coastal Carolina, who the hell is this? And then they end up winning the damn thing.
1: Yes. That's what. Okay. Okay. It was Florida Gulf Coast that made the run in the NCAA tournament, NCAA tournament, where they were just like highlight reel dunking every time they touched the ball on offense. Yeah. To say, weird to say on offense and basketball. But yeah, it was a base. Yeah. Coastal Carolina won the College World Series. That's right. Yeah. I know I know him from somewhere other than the dog thing. <laughs> yeah. So any, but yeah, I mean, you're, Louisiana's
0: only loss, eight and one, is to Coastal Carolina. Coastal Carolina's nine and zero, oh, and still, I mean, Louisiana beat Iowa State, and they're twenty fifth. Yeah, they kind of win over the number nine team. Well, because it's it's really easy, like like BYU. Once again, there's a lot of conversation about whether they're deserving of their spot or not. And, and look, are they a good team? I think they are a good team. But can you realistically tell me that every team ranked above them wouldn't also be 9-0 and playing that schedule?
1: No, they would be. Okay, so what's the conversation for having USC five spots against, above a Louisiana team that has five more wins? Louisiana beat a, top ten, a team that is top 10 right now. Yeah, Not top 10 like two weeks ago or three weeks ago. They were top 10 right now. They beat them by 17 points. USC has played three games, and their best win is Utah, I guess. Like, I, yeah, you, I don't even know. Who's there? I guess.
0: They beat Arizona State on a crazy finish. Like, I don't think USC is very good. They're 3-0, and but I don't think they're that good. Um, it, But, I mean, like, the, the thought is, once again, like, USC would— I, I think most people feel like USC would run the table with that schedule. That's that's oh, why that's why group of five teams get zero consideration.
1: Yeah, and it's kind of a moot argument when we're talking about do teams from twenty to twenty five. But like, it's just it's the bigger picture of their thought process of ranking the teams because yeah. you, you would have to assume they're using the same thought process to rank teams twenty to twenty five as they are one to five. I would hope so. They should be because.
0: Because also that that factors into how you make the argument for or against a team like Iowa State comparing them to like Cincinnati, for example, right? Like what, what other teams are ranked behind you matters because apparently they're evaluating your strength of schedule. So what they think of a team that you won, that you beat or lost to matters in your overall perception.
1: Yeah. And, you know, and I said this, before like the playoffs started. Like, and I thought this was going to be the biggest problem with the college football playoff is when you're having these human factors in, I I would imagine that the committee has people from ESPN in their ear. Imagine they have people from uh, whatever venues or bowls are being represented in the playoffs. Like the teams that you put in matter because you need people to watch the games. You need people to travel and buy tickets. And if you put Cincinnati in over a Ohio state, guess what, bro? You ain't selling tickets. You ain't people, not as many people watching the games. You you need those blue blood fan bases in there to draw that money. And I I, I just, like you said, the group of five teams in the middle of the tier power five teams are probably never going to get in because of the simple fact, in my opinion, they're not going to draw money. Right.
0: Like most of my family, not big sports people. You give them an Alabama Cincinnati semifinal game, most of my family's probably not watching it. You give them know, Alabama, Ohio State, even if they don't know anything about either team, just the names, Alabama, Ohio State, they're probably going to pay attention.
1: Right. And this... So, I mean, and, you know, you, in like Cincinnati in that game, they might sell 20,000 tickets. Like if they're playing in Miami, how many people are going to travel? Yeah. First off, I don't even know. Obviously, the ticket thing is different this year, but... Oh uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Are, are there are there even a hundred thousand Cincinnati fans? Like, cause I feel like at schools like that, like kids go to Cincinnati and like while they're at the school, they're like, I'm a Cincinnati fan, but they're still Ohio State fans. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, Ohio State's their team. They just root for Cincinnati because they go to school there. Then they graduate, and Cincinnati's like they check the they check the box score, but Ohio State's the team that they watch, that they right. you know they tailgate for and like they plan for. <laughs> right. So, like, how the hell are you going to get 50,000 people to travel from the Cincinnati area to Miami? Like, it's just not going to happen. And I think the committee is aware of that. Like, have, we haven't had... We, we had one situation where there has been a conversation... Central Florida, maybe, I guess, was the only team that where there was a conversation about a non-Blue Blood getting in.
0: And they weren't getting in, like...
1: There, no chance. Yeah, they weren't. And they won in. the national championship that year, but they didn't get yeah, into the, the playoffs. national championship.
0: <laughs> but, yeah, like, if... Cincinnati's not getting in. I... I I do believe well, Iowa State or Oklahoma would jump Cincinnati again, if they went oh, out. yeah so. I, I would say there's a better chance that Cincinnati would remain ahead of Iowa State simply for for name recognition reasons, um because Iowa State's not a juggernaut by any means. But like the name brand, like we have this conversation every year. the name brand matters. Like Oklahoma is going to always get the benefit of the doubt over a team like Cincinnati because they're Oklahoma and because of history and tradition. Like, I, people want to believe that that's not a factor, but it is. Same thing with Alabama. And, like, it's the reason Georgia is in the top ten, right? Like, that stuff matters. Yeah. Well, it, 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 plays in, it plays a, not, not the role, but it plays a role in how these decisions are made. And that's, you know, Iowa State, for example, doesn't have that name recognition. So maybe there's a chance that Cincinnati could... Hold off Iowa State in the ranking. But
1: I, I think a perfect example is, and I, I, I don't know that how great the argument for either team to get in, but like in 2014, Baylor and TCU were never going to get in.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. When, when all things were nearly equal and you're comparing them to Ohio State. Yeah. Yeah. No chance. And then obviously that's never brought up because Ohio State goes on to win the national title that year and they were just completely dominant. But yeah, yeah, I mean, it was, that that wasn't a big shock. Like that was a, I mean, it was a fair conversation to have which of those three was the most deserving. I think it's completely fair to have that conversation. So if it's that close that you're having the conversation, I mean, obviously the, the team that is Ohio State or if that were Alabama or Oklahoma, or, you know, whoever, name your blue blood school, is going to get the benefit of that doubt. If that were Notre Dame, Notre Dame probably gets the benefit of that doubt.
1: Yeah. Uh, just for, uh, just to throw it out there, uh, the AP Top 25, the, the final week after the uh, Conference Championship Games in 2014, Yeah. Uh, had Baylor ahead of Ohio State at four. There you go. So, maybe, maybe it just shows uh, either how stupid the media is or... The opposite. I don't know. I guess how stupid because, like you said, Ohio State destroyed uh, Alabama and Oregon. I don't think playoffs, I've so.
0: looked at an in-season AP poll in since the playoff started. Maybe
1: there's no reason to. It yeah, doesn't matter. like like
0: it. It makes good conversation at the beginning of the year with like the preseason ranking. Obviously, understanding that it has zero impact on anything, but just as a kind of launching point, like we all like. Can you, can you believe that this team is ranked in the top 10 in the preseason? But like, we all do that, but it has just, it has no weight. So like once the season starts, I don't think it, at least I don't pay any attention to it.
1: I don't, I don't check it. The only, the only weight that it carries for me is if I'm on watching a game on TV and I see two teams with a number next to them. I'm like, okay, oh, I'm, for yeah. some reason, I'm just, you know, programmed to think this is more an more of an interesting game right. now. Right. Oh, yeah. Number six versus number 20. Oh, this is way better than that game against two unranked teams.
0: Yeah, we're looking at the college football schedule for the weekend and we're like, there's not a single top 25 matchup across the board. Right. This weekend
1: sucks. Yeah, right. It, but it's like the second week of the season. You have no idea what any team is likely. <laughs> right. like,
0: yeah, four of your four of your top 10 lost in the opening week. Because nobody knew anything about them. Right. My favorite. Again, this this just goes to show you what these preseason polls are. Well, LSU was what, number three or four to open the
1: season? Um, I don't, were they, I, I would guess they were that high just because they won the yeah. won the uh, title last year. But I don't think anybody, I can't imagine very many people came into the season expecting them to be.
0: Yeah. Of their, of, their 20, of their 22 starters on both sides of the football, in their first game played, they had a couple guys out, but in their first game played, they had two of those starting 22 back and they lost both coordinators.
1: The, they were they were number six preseason okay, in the six. AP poll, but they got a first place vote. So like somebody the voted them, them number one, one, having
0: lost twenty of their twenty two starters and both coordinators.
1: It, it has to be somebody that covers the team, right? Unbelievable. No,
0: because anybody that covers the
1: team, our, our knew alumni. Better. Yeah, yeah, they it knew has better. To be like an alumni or something.
0: You lose Joe Burrow and Justin Jefferson and Clyde Edwards Alaire and Jamar Chase opts out. And just, I mean, how many, like half that defense was drafted?
1: (laughs) Unreal. And like you said, Aranda went to Baylor and Joe Brady's in Carolina. Like, And both coordinators are gone. (laughs) But yeah, number six. The fact that they've won three games this year is kind of impressive. Agreed. Yeah, they
0: were never going to be good.
1: And and L, LSU is 3-4 and four right now. And the Alabama and Florida games both got postponed. Oh, brutal. They have two games left. They play Alabama on Saturday and Florida next week. There you go.
0: Yeah, so, anybody that thought that team was going to be good clearly just has no idea what they're doing.
1: Yeah, Jamar Chase is uh, counting down the seconds until he can leave. Well, he's, he, he opted out. He's not even there. He opted out. Oh. Well, that yeah. shows you how much attention I've been paying to yeah, this He, did, he opted out right, right. before he the season even, even started. He, it, saw, he saw the writing on the wall that that AP voter clearly did not see. Joe Burrow left Baton
0: Rouge, and he looked at the next guy in line throwing the football and said, no thanks.
1: They've, uh, they have started three quarterbacks, or three quarterbacks yeah. have taken snaps. Yeah. And I don't even know if they've thrown... As, they, they've thrown 17 touchdowns in seven games. I'm pretty sure Joe Burrow had 17 touchdowns in the playoffs last year. Yeah, against OU. <laughs> right.
0: Or at least it felt that way. Uh, yeah, he, they, uh, like they played... Was it A&M on Thanksgiving night or maybe it was Friday night? Again, A&M didn't look good in my opinion. But yeah, every time I looked up there was a different guy quarterbacking LSU. They were just rotating throughout the game.
1: I, I'm glad we're back to that. I'm glad we're back to the traditional LSU where they can't find a quarterback to save yeah. their lives. Yeah. they did. I mean, it's not even like they recruited Joe Burrow. He transferred in. Yeah. Crazy.
0: All right, let's wrap up with this. Uh, I, I can't believe that NBA teams are reporting and we're going through like media days and like this thing is going to happen very, very quickly. Uh, I think there are like preseason games next week, actually, which is mind blowing to me. But uh, the Thunder announced no fans in the stands to begin the season. Um, I don't know how many people were super excited about Thunder basketball anyway with the teardown. Uh, so maybe this is the perfect timing for a, a, a rebuild, a complete rebuild.
1: I mean, they could have they could have said that fans could come to the games they want. I don't know the attendance would be much different <laughs> in Oklahoma City, but. I, man, it's kudos on the P on the NBA Players Association for kind of just sucking it up this year because I, I I know for a fact that they weren't happy about you know having to restart. There was a lot of guys talking about not showing up yeah. a few weeks ago, but you know, paper speaks. You know, you get that paycheck in jeopardy, then uh, that changes things. I mean, hell, we've seen LeBron James bend the knee to the NBA and the whole China thing, so like. Yeah, like they're going to show up to work three right. weeks after their season ended, but um, but that does suck though. I do feel for them that, like, especially like the Lakers and the Heat, like they just finished their season what like a month ago, yeah, three it, weeks ago, yeah. And it feels they're, like it's already it having just to ended, yeah, yeah. And they're going to play seven, uh, pretty essentially a full season, go through playoffs, finish at a normal time. So, I mean, more they did take a couple of months off in the spring, obviously, but they're essentially playing for a full year without a break. Yeah. And it, yeah, it
0: feels crazy that this thing is already started again.
1: I think, like I said, Thunder media, Day, I least, believe was yesterday. Oh, wow. I think real. Oh yeah, it was, it was because Presti talked about, uh, trading Adams and the, the fan thing. So yeah, yeah, at least Presti spoke yesterday. Yeah. I think that, if you, I think that the NBA, if they were going to do a season like, I think that they would just need to do a bubble again because when you add in the travel that they're going to have to go through this season, like Damian Lillard talked about, it. he said that the NBA bubble was way easier than a regular season. Yeah, if you're going to make them come back to work and play a full season a month after they just finished up, I think you need to do a bubble again, or like, or maybe just have like regional bubbles or something. Have figure out some way to figure it out where they're not having to fly three times a week, every week for the next eight months, six months, whatever, seven months.
0: Yeah. Like the biggest argument against that was the fact that like guys didn't get to see their families, which when you're traveling, you're not going to get to see them much, but at least like, you know, every, every five days you're coming home or whatever and spending a little time there. Like that's the biggest argument against the bubble is just being completely separated from your family.
1: Yeah. I, and yeah. I don't know that I can trust uh, guys like Tristan Tom- Tristan uh, Thompson not right. to uh, sneak in some lady to his hotel room. Lou Williams? And then just... Ha- Lou William Yeah, look. James Harden? James, are you going to tell me James Harden is going to go to Miami and not hit up the clubs?
0: Although Tristan hey, now plays for Brad Stevens, so maybe, maybe Brad will get yeah. him in
1: line. That's fair. Maybe. Yeah, I don't... I cannot imagine. Unless there's a vaccine like pretty quickly in the next few months. I don't I I can't imagine that this the NBA season makes it through without having to stop at some point. Yeah.
0: I'm honestly surprised I mean, the NFL hasn't reached that point where they've just like maybe hit the pause button for like 2 weeks and then restarted then, but they've they've managed the th- to to kind of navigate their way through it.
1: I think the only thing that saved the NFL is the fact that they have they have like the middle of the week open that they could reschedule right. games towards. And the fact that the rosters are so big yeah. that if five guys get it, it's not a big deal. It doesn't cripple the team unless right. it's Denver and then all the quarterbacks, you know, have to sit out. But, but they still play the NBA, game. Right. Yeah. In an NBA game, an NBA team, if four guys get it, that's almost half their roster. Yeah, that's you can't like play. 40% of their roster. Yeah, you can't play the games. You have to sit them out. So, yeah. Oh, God. That, look. I have never been more appreciative of a six-round third-string quarterback than watching that Denver's New Orleans game. <laughs> Please, for the love, of, give me Zach. I need more Zach Mettenbergers.
0: Is that the first game in NFL history where two non-quarterbacks started at quarterback?
1: Two for both teams. Yeah, it's got to be right. You yeah. had a tight end and a receiver playing quarterback. Yeah, there have been a couple of games where teams didn't play a quarterback. Like I remember right. uh, Carolina played D'Angelo Williams like the whole game. It ran Wildcat, but. Denver did it just and just so stupid. Like they were passing the ball. He threw the ball way more time. Like way more than he should have.
0: Yeah. By the way, how mad is Jameis Winston?
1: I mean, I've, I guess as mad as he can be, but you know, he did throw 30 picks last year. Yeah.
0: Yeah. To, but I mean, to, for them to just be like, nope, we're going to go with our, our gadget player Taysom Hill as our quarterback instead of you.
1: I've, uh, I'll just say this before, as we uh, wrap up speaking of Jameis Winston. Uh, so I got a little Madden season going, been playing it for a couple months and, uh, the Cowboys did not resign Dak. Oh, he ended up, he ended up signing with Washington. Okay. And the Cowboys starting quarterback is Jameis Winston. Yikes. So that, that could be just be glad that you're not in that reality. I mean, look, that's pretty on brand. So,
0: I, like, I don't know if you remember the entire decade before Tony Romo
1: was no, the it was quarterback a lot of, of Dallas. But Quincy Carter and yeah. Vinny Testaverde, Yeah. I don't have Drew Bledsoe. Yeah.
0: Drew Bledsoe. Chad Hutchinson. Clint Sterner.
1: Anthony Wright. Chad Hutchinson, was he the guy? No, that was Drew Henney. Drew Henney also started a couple of games. I was thinking of who. I was trying to figure out who uh, Tom Brady's. Drew Henson. Was Michigan, but Drew Henson. Drew Henson. He yeah. also started a game yeah. in, in Dallas. Started a Thanksgiving game, didn't you? Yeah,
0: he? former uh, Major League Baseball player. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Jameis Winston would be on brand
1: if Dak were to leave. That would be, that would be awesome. Dak, by the way, got hurt in Washington, and they have some stud rookie oh. quarterback that's amazing. That so, is the NFC Dak- East
0: leading Washington football team, by the way.
1: Look, if as bad as that division is, it's the two teams that are the best coach teams that are you know, four got four wins yeah. and leading that division. By the way, Thanksgiving Day
0: was the perfect scenario for my Dallas Cowboys. They got back in the L column, and the coach looked so bad that he, I think he rejoined the hot seat conversation.
1: The only thing that's going to keep him there is the fact that Jerry has a hard time admitting mistakes. I know, and holds on. I mean, he held on to Jason Garrett I for a decade. God, so I have, a hard, I have a hard time believing he's not going to hold on to Mike McCarthy at least one more year.
0: Yeah. I don't know. The, the, the way that you do it, though, is you got to be really embarrassing in those big, premier, like, mm-hmm. Sunday night football, Monday night football, Thanksgiving day type matchups, and that was as bad as it's been all year. It can't so, get worse than that. It
1: yeah. can't get worse than giving up 40 points to Alex Smith yeah. in 2020. To a guy that,
0: that wasn't walking six months ago. Yeah. Brutal. So brutal. I love it. Yeah. Top five pick, here we come, baby. And Eric Bieniemy.
1: Okay, well, see if you can get through Houston first.
0: <laughs> All right, my friend, always appreciate it. Have a good week, and we will catch up next Wednesday. All right, see you, man. Thanks to Aaron Davis for joining the Colby Daniels podcast, and that is it for this episode. Presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City, check out their line of natural medicine products, a abotanicalcompany.com. Or call them at 405 458 9699. Educate yourself on their line of natural medicine products and how they can benefit your daily life. They are great people doing great things for the community around them, and I'm really happy to have them on board with the podcast. So, again, check out the website. You can order online, safe pickup, a or give them a call 405 458 9699. If you want to hit me up on Twitter or Instagram, feel free to do so at Colby underscore Daniels on Twitter, Colby.Daniels on Instagram. Everybody, stay safe, have a great day, and I will talk to you tomorrow.